Hey, Deck. I got to be real with you. You got some of the worst apparel in the game out there. I would love to see you customize some shirts that just say, I have bad style. Mmm, Decky bad style. Let's make those shirts the shock value. Would be insane. However, uh, turnaround time and quality, it needs to be there. That's a great point. I mean, we could launch this tomorrow with our own goddamn sponsor. Oh, I didn't even think of that. What? Well, actually, I did because I wrote this ad, dude. But that's besides the point. And with that being said, be on the lookout for some decky bad style shirts and other custom apparel from the BP. But also, if you're like, man, I need to find someone to make great custom apparel for me, look no further. Hit us up at backpocket at visionarymfg.com. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T at visionarymfg.com. Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Josiah Bardwell, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, fellas. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're charged up. I'm riled up. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cold brewing, but you're just like high on life right now. You're crushing it. I came in here, I'm coming in here like a bull. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> Like man. a bull. I was so like, who was it? Was it Nasser? When Nasser said, you need to have, we, so we ask everyone at the end of the podcast, challenge us with someone to come on the show, and Nasser was like Josiah. I talk to him every day, we bounce uh, ideas off each other, we're in the same field, and it, mm-hmm. we just, we, he's awesome, you need to have him. I'm like, of course, like, it, we've, we've talked about having you on, we just never, like, just made the, the, uh, the, the calendar invite, mm-hmm. and I'm so exactly. stoked that we finally did, and just hashing out, I mean, we've been, we've been great friends for about five years now and just get getting 30 to 45 however long this may be just Mm -hmm. to lock in and have a conversation it's a beautiful thing dude thanks for having me i I really do appreciate it it's awesome to be here so let's break down a little background of josiah so our marketing interns can uh get Mm -hmm. a little uh feel for who josiah barbell is for sure of course so i grew up in northfield minnesota it's about an hour south here that's where like the olies and the whatever the carlton college the knights golden knights Knights? yeah yeah. they're not too good but anyways yeah i grew up in northfield and then uh went to st thomas to play football for a year ended up stopping playing football after a year and joined the summit singers acapella group did that for three and a half years um graduated last may with these fellas oh yeah and uh pre-med pre-med yeah exactly so biochem in spanish Uh, i spent a semester in argentina argentina as they say and yep <laughs> um and now i'm applying to med school and the plan is to go to des moines university uh in the fall so that would start like august 1st right so, on. yeah it's coming Let's up go. quick i know did nasser i know he was thinking about madison is he for sure in now on madison or he's well he's been accepted like five different places because yeah well the kid like have you had a, you had a conversation with him so you know yeah. he's just eloquent mm-hmm. um but yeah he's kind of deciding now between the u of m madison rush which is in chicago you probably know yep. mm-hmm. um those are his top three right now because he just okay. had a second second look day so like all the excited all the accepted people are invited to come back and they just try to like you know entice them to come yep. with like free food and stuff yeah <laughs> so he had that yesterday and he, he loved it so he's he's thinking about the u of m now most excellent wow. that's yeah. amazing dude yeah dude, and insane. another thing that the marketing interns should know um you mentioned you're an acapella singer kids got a josiah's got an incredible voice but he's also loving skiing with us dude beef week <laughs> 2019 Dude. what an absolute treat if you haven't heard us unpack what that is it's our ski trip out to curdy's cabin right here we got kurt as a producer um mm-hmm. so that like what's cool about our relationship like at least me and you is we don't see each other that often but when we do we always do like the funnest things exactly dude what's funny about that weekend is i felt like there were like different classes of like skill levels that all were like brought on the trip and like you two were for sure at the top and like greg was like right beneath you guys and i was like I'm, I'm like definitely intermediate to lower intermediate, but I was like, I'm just going to run with these guys. Yeah. I'm just going to do my best. Running with the bulls. And up with a broken thumb. Take it down. <laughs> That's right. You right. broke your thumb. How is your thumb doing? It's fine now. Four You're range doing of motion. some rehab? A lot of flex. A lot of flex. Yeah. A lot of extension. Yeah. You doing any rehab with it? Mm, nah, not really. Video games maybe? <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. I almost took Declan out with that little, little crash. <laughs> yeah. I remember that, but, dude. Because that was on... Uh, that was the, the second day that I went. So Saturday. Gotcha. Beaver Creek, I think. Yep. Yeah, it was in Beaver Creek. We were coming in out a little of tree run. Yeah. yeah. We were about Dangerous to take the group. We were going to take that group photo. Yeah. That was at the. Uh, yeah. That place. I remember, dude. I was hurting when, we, were when hurting. we went up to that group. Yeah. Photo. <laughs> oh, God. That was priceless. Uh, the best, yeah. I think the best part about 
the part that actually not the best part the part where i was most impressed with you was friday when we go to Vale and go to the back poles and go ski blue sky and you guys trusted me. You're like, all right, we're going to take 40 minutes of cat tracks back here. You're like, I don't know where the hell you're taking me, Declan, yeah. but thank you guys for buying in. And then I take you guys on Lover's Leap, like the hardest run on that lift, first run of the day, and you guys crushed it. Like you guys sent it. You hadn't skied in how long? <laughs> for five or six years. Five or six <laughs> years going down a double black. Yeah, I peed myself a little bit, just like. How was yeah. that? Like, what were you thinking that whole time? I'd love to just hear your thoughts. I don't know, man. I was just like, you know what? I'm not gonna, st- I'm not gonna hang back. And there's like this ledge, right? So you have to do it. Otherwise, you're going way out of your way, and you're gonna be at doing your solo thing. I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted to be with you guys. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? If I can just like suck it up and be okay with being uncomfortable, we'll be fine. We'll be you fine. Yeah. I was dying too because Greg went first, and like he was gone. Yeah, like go you and I, just, you and I are standing right next to him. He's gone. In. Yeah, he's just gone. <laughs> and then I, and I'm like not even looking over the edge at this point. My heart's racing, and I just yeah. go. Just uh, how's how's it looking over there? And you you just like you do one of these. You're like, it's pretty hard, man. But you know we gotta do it, right? Yeah. And I go, yeah, yeah. You want to go first? You go, sure. And then you were gone, like just off the side. I didn't even see you go. And then I was like, all right, I'm the last person up here. Like I have to get down. And no and yeah. we have no other choice. We got down. And we just did it. That's important. Make yourself uncomfortable because you yeah. gotta get through it. Exactly. Hundred percent. Uh-huh. Guys, bodied all that snow, mm-hmm. freaking powder on powder that day too. Yeah, that was oh, nice. Dude, that was a great day. Bluebird day. Yeah. It's nothing better, man. Unreal. I love doing those trips. I really want to do another one this yeah. next year. Mm. Got to make it a tradition. It should be a yearly thing. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, he was thinking Lake Tahoe next, next yeah, time. Yeah, what around. do you think about be, Lake Tahoe? It'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Just an incredible time. It'd be so fun. Oh, um, But kind of trapping the puck on the ski, the ski conversation, I want to tap into your finding of pre-med and kind of realizing like that was kind of the route you want to pursue in college and then realizing okay i'm this is my this could be my career path so when inside college or did you know pre-college like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna study this field for sure so it it definitely started my 10th grade year of high school and i took an ap biology class and i just found out that there was no question that i could ask that the teacher couldn't give a good answer to you know like everything i was asking that i was curious about she had like a legitimate response she could explain with like biology and chemistry and talking about all these different things so i was intrigued in it like no philosophical answers or just no, just like in terms of like the human body i was like why do we sneeze like why do we cry why like what's going on here gotcha. what is all of this machinery happening? you weren't like, asking why like happening? why do bad things happen to good people <laughs> no we did get into bioethics a little bit okay but oh that is a okay it's fascinating it's like well for example super side note but like if there's a train with like a thousand people and it's going to crash and the only way to save it is to um, kill the president, like what do you do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like who like what is one life better than another? That sort of stuff. But anyways, Whoa. so I was in, so interested in biology. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> deep. So I was interested <laughs> in biology at the at the outset, and I came in um, as a biology major at St. Thomas. Um, and then after a couple of years of kind of being wishy-washy, I decided to just buckle down and go biochem because I was like, I wanted to keep the, the medical school thing open. And I knew that biochem was gonna, is like one of the best majors to prepare you for that because you got to take physics, chemistry, biology, uh, and one other one, calculus. So it's like all of this all at once. <clears throat> and so I knew that I wanted to keep my options open. And then when I went to Argentina is when I actually found out or when I actually realized like, okay, this is for sure what I want to do. I want to use my, my like When passion. was this? Junior? Uh, fall of senior year fall of, fall of senior, senior year that's uh-huh. when i was like okay solidified and like this is exactly what i want to do is, is medicine i uh so i took this weekend volunteering trip with un techo para mi país it's like uh sorry <laughs> say that one more time un techo para mi país mm, of course <laughs> ah, mm, mm. <laughs> it just means a roof for my country so it's a okay. it's a volunteer organization where they go into these um like impoverished neighborhoods and they go door to door asking all these families you know like who is who is the worst off like who 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 here needs a new home and all of the different family family members in that community, they vote on one family that needs it the most. And then Utecho comes in, and we build them a home. Um, so this weekend I spent repairing, like, un basically techo just... Untecho para mi. Untecho para mi país. Yes. País. Yes. Yep. Mm. Un, uh, a roof mm. for my country. Yep. yep. Um, so Paises, I spent this weekend... Paises country. Mm-hmm. Mm, and then yeah. Techo is roof. Gotcha. And so um, I spent the weekend doing that, and at the end... Um, the dad who I'd like kind of formed a relationship with, with my like kind of broken Spanish, like kind of like chatting with him. Um, he comes up to me and he's like, asked talking to me in Spanish. He's like, do you like soccer? And I was like, uh, well, I didn't really, I don't really, but I was like, yeah, yeah of course. Cause you don't want to offend people. He's like, who's your team? 
And I was just like, uh, the, the national team, Argentine national team. Because, again, I didn't want to offend him. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 this is your team. And he pulls out this, like, um, Los Independientes. It's like a team, yeah. um, a club team. It pulls out their jersey. It's like this nice jersey. And he gives it to me at the end of this weekend for, like, just because it's, like, we're, we're providing this for free, you know. And yeah. I think it meant a lot to him to be able to give something uh, back. And so, I don't know. I guess seeing the way that I, the way I could, like, care for someone and the way that they it, were impacted by it. By like this guy giving me this jersey when he did, just did not have very many changes of clothing for him to give me something that obviously meant a ton to him it was like just super impactful for me and it made me realize that I want to spend my life caring for people in a way that transcends more than just like building them a physical home like you know treating their ailments like giving you giving you medicine no I want to go beyond that and actually care for the individual person mm-hmm. you know because this this father of this household like he obviously appreciated that we built him a house but I think he was more than that, like super excited that we had come in and actually like played with his kids and like got to know him on a personal level, you know? So more than just being like workers, we actually cared for him holistically. And so I think when I realized that that translated directly into medicine, when I started scribing in the, in the ER, that got me excited, you know, cause you can like get really real with people and connect with them on a personal level while also using, you know, your passion for science to like use that ex- expertise and knowledge to then care for them. So it's finding like the Venn diagram of what you like and what you're good at and bringing them together, you know? So that was, those were some, that was probably the biggest moment for me. A lot of value that yeah. you were finding and providing for others. Yeah. And that was the return on investment for you. Like exactly. you, you found that emotional, again, back to that philosophical biology, probably that, you know, way more than I do. But I know from a service <laughs> level, um, just that fulfillment inside you of you having the opportunity to give people something that they did not. And the reward that they, uh, you mm. could sense in there yeah. and them yeah. immediately returned into you. Yeah. Uh, Plus it's just fun, man. Like yeah. medicine's just so cool. Like it's always changing. It's always evolving. Like you're coming up with new ways to care for people. And obviously it's complex. And like in the United States, it's kind of messed up. Like our healthcare, like we spend like 17% of our GDP on our healthcare and we have like the 40th best healthcare in the, in the world. Oh. So, so it's like, we have other countries spending like way less of their GDP on healthcare and they have way better health outcomes. It's super complex. So Why do you think that is? Oh, dude, it's it's problematic. It's like we, is so it big okay, pharma? so we. That's a huge part of it. So we have like this free market, capitalistic, um, themes running through like every part of. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> the wind's blowing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, whatever. Don't yeah. worry about it. So yeah, we have this like, it's a this really good thing where we have this free market in in American society and American pol- market, I guess. Um, and but what that results in is like big companies just wanting to meet their bottom line, you know? And so, like you said, big pharma being the ones who put out the prices on their uh, medications. And like in other countries, there's negotiations that go on because when you have a single payer tax, a single payer health healthcare system, the government can negotiate with big pharma and say like, you, we're not going to allow you to like jack up prices on these people. Like we're going to force you to like keep it low. Do you guys remember the thing with Martin Shkreli with, uh, I do. yeah. Yeah. So he like, he patented or did something he like owned the, the one 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 of the really important uh, medications for aids and he it went from like $30 a pill to like $750 a pill so the, they literally put him in jail for it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy but stuff like that so we have a society that really values capitalism and, and m- meeting our bottom line and um competition i mean there's a lot yeah. that's involved in yeah there. we haven't come to a place like we need to make a moral choice as a country to say um, you know, is, is healthcare a right? Like, does everyone deserve healthcare regardless of if they're rich or poor or is it not? Or is it something that only people who have money and can afford should, should receive? You know, it's, we haven't, we haven't really made that decision yet. And we're, it's so wishy-washy on, that it's like not yeah. helping either side. Yeah. We're more, well, we're more on the side to say pri- privatize everything. We don't want socialized medicine. We need to stay away from it. Um, but I mean, there's aspects of it that are super beneficial. I mean, like in Canada, if you have like an emergent procedure that you need to have done there's not like a long waiting time that's like the big flaw that everyone talks about with canadian medicine is like if you have like an achy shoulder and you need a shoulder replacement it's going to take you like a year and a half to get it replaced like it's gonna you're there's long wait lines for sure Jeez. but then you don't pay for it you don't pay for anything you know could you, just you have, pay for it in canada if you wanted um, to get I, it replaced? uh yeah it's like three or three to five percent of of medicine is privatized or something so it's so there's a small portion of privatized medicine yeah. for like the elite or whatever but they don't want that to happen you know Mm. yeah well another thing too is a lot of the times are you given you know a prescription or something that you might not necessarily need like are there other routes Mm. that canada could 
implement like chiropractic or something, some sort of personal care where if you have a messed up shoulder, mm-hmm. you can go to a chiropractor and get that adjusted and rehab it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, there, there's layers to that, especially your first point about like giving medications that you might not necessarily need. Yeah. There's this thing called defensive medicine where like doctors in the US, um, so we pay, there's like malpractice insurance. So like you don't want to get sued for anything you do. Yeah. So like in the ER, if there's anything going on in someone's abdomen and it's like the test results came back negative, there's nothing wrong that we can see in the test, um, but you still have pain, we're just going to send you for a CT scan, which is like two grand. But we're just going to do it because the doctors want to be able to, at the end of the day, say, well, I did everything I could and we're going to send you on your way. So we overscan in the ER more than any other country in the world because, I don't know, malpractice lawsuits and people just want to cover their bases. And then so. we all get charged for that. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's this battle because there's so many different insurance companies. And like, so your actual, the Shout price, out Jack Burke. Shout out Jack Burke. Exactly. So like the price initially will be like however many grand, like 20 grand. And then like you, like, it's like the hospital and the insurance company. So the hospital will be like, it's 20 grand. The insurance company will be like, no, it's only one grand. And then there's literally this back and forth until they come to an actual price that they'll, that the insurance will pay. Which is like so weird versus like in France, you walk in and they literally on the wall have like, you're going to get an x-ray, it's going to be $23. You're going to do this, it's going to be $50. It's like, you see what it is. If you ever go to the doctor and you ask them how much is this going to cost, they're like, I don't know. Depends on your insurance, depends on this hospital, depends on the state you live in, state federal taxes. Even going to the dentist. I just went to the dentist uh, this last week and I was like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I walk out of here. If if they're going to drop me with like $10,000, is it going to be like 40 bucks? Like, I don't know how... Just, that's never been part of like my yeah. payment process and now it is and i'm like what the hell am i doing here am i just gonna walk out of here and so much more debt yeah there's a lack of transparency there that's frustrating yeah but it's, I mean, it's hard to implement that transparency with uh, how many insurance corporations we have and and a lot of it one of the huge costs in terms of healthcare for the you know, <clears throat> for the u.s is like administrative stuff so when you have tons of different insurance companies Everyone, and like you have to have a bunch of you have to hire a bunch of administrative people in the hospital to like sort all that out so you're paying a lot of people Versus, if you had a single payer um, system, you would be it would be less complex because you'd have like set prices. I'm fed up with networking events, and by no means is that a controversial thing to say at all. But you know, I'm I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm trying to say that all I want to do is enjoy some beer and have some conversations. Is that too much to ask? Well, Zach, you could have said that a little bit better. But what he's trying to say is some of the best conversations, and more importantly collaborations that's what lincoln drink is all about have those conversations with local hustlers entrepreneurs creatives and people right here in the twin Cities sandbox yes and this will be the fourth of its kind it's still in its nascency nascency but boy is it growing we're stoked to have you remember this time and place we'll give you some time grab some pen and paper write this down in your notes right now remember this may 8th at finnegan's Bruco. That's May 8th at Finnegan's Bruco. It's yeah. just like universities. Yeah. Fucking univer- uni- administrators reel in the oh, dough. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, where all the cost goes. And like that, the more expensive it gets because they're hiring more people to delegate more shit. And then it just gets more pricey. It makes sense. Because they're operating a nonprofit, right? Yeah. All universities are nonprofits. So when they oh. raise the prices and they get all this <clears> influx <throat> of cash, they got to spend it on mm-hmm. stuff. That's why LSU looks like a freaking water park because mm. they got all this amazing stuff. St. Yeah. Thomas can renovate their facilities and everything as many times as they want. And they create yep. these new 10-year projects so that they can show investors, show people that they're yeah. putting in money in a long-term time. Yeah. And it, even like this is another crazy thing that I found out was – um, like there was always this argument to say like, okay, college is expensive. Well, let's just give you more money. Like let's mm. raise, uh, let's make it less of a burden to get $10,000 for student loans as opposed to 5,000. So what does that do? That basically it gives me more money to pay the universities. The universities see that $10,000 in cash right away. It goes right mm. to their bank. Mm. So, so now they're just, they can control the price. Yeah. They can, exactly. they can get away with not murder, but they can get away with raising that price as much as they want and justified it at it's every turn. Similar, it's basically inelastic demand. You yeah. Know, like people are gonna, like, if you really want to go to St. Thomas and you get in, you can apply, like, you can put in a, you know, request a loan from the government and they're going to basically going to give it to you every it's, time. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. So it's cyclical. And then exactly like you're saying, univer- universities see that and they're like, all right, well, 48 grand. Nah, how about 51? Yeah. That's what St. Thomas did yeah. like and last right. year. And how about when they, they send us that newsletter every year and like, yeah. we were able to lower, <laughs> lower our ability to raise the price to only 
2.9. We kept it under 3% yeah. this uh, year. And I was like, what? You you had to raise it 2.9? You're already giving taking 46. Yeah. And we walked out of there and it was 51. Yeah. I was like, you bastards. And then they cloud it, and they cloud it even more than that with your Tommy Award. And like mm. this goes for any school. Like You're going to get private some sort schools of... For private schools for sure. Yeah. You're going to get some sort of scholarship if you get stuff. in there. It's yeah. a merit-based thing. Like, oh, you had a 3.8 GPA and like a 24 in your ACT? Here's $28,000. And you see that, and you're like, yeah, 28000 Well, yeah. Freaking the school's fifty one thousand. You're still left with twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Hey, government, can I get twenty three thousand dollars a year for school? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And now look, look, look yeah. at us now. Four yeah. of us in a room. Well, maybe not four of us, Kurt. You, I don't know if you have student loans, but <laughs> we got, we got, we got boys with uh, yeah. bags in our. Like we, I was talking about this last night. We were talking about how the richest women in the world are uh, sometimes come from like divorces, like the. Um, Jeff Bezos' wife yeah. is now going to become the yeah. richest woman in the world because of her divorce with Bezos. Dude, the, sorry, go ahead. And then uh, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, damn, her net worth's you know in the hundred millions, and I am a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the opposite direction. <laughs> like, Wild, what the hell? Yeah. What were you gonna say though? No, I was just gonna say. So it's fascinating. Something I learned the other day about um, like divorces and like child support and stuff. Yeah. It's like the reason, the actual like language. Um, that they put into like the clauses in terms of like how they decide how much child support you have to give is like you have to you have to um, give enough money so that the kid could live the similar type of lifestyle that he would have he or she would have lived if it would have been living with. So in this in this example, I don't know if Jeff Bezos has kids. Um, I don't know not. either. I don't know either. Does, does Jeff, does does Jeff Bezos all, have kids? I doubt it. <laughs> Google it for me. Do the work Kurt. all the time. Thanks, Kurt. Um, so for example, if they did have if they had like one kid and then the kid went during the split went with the mom. They, he would have to pay child support to the extent that would allow the kid to live the similar, uh, the same lifestyle as he would have lived living in with Jeff, Bez- Jeff Bezos in his house. So, like, uh, if you're living in a mansion, this kid is about to, well, not the kid, four kids, four kids. Wow. Yeah. So now I he think has... they're adults though, so probably no child support. Hopefully. Yeah. What's the cutoff age? Eighteen. Probably eighteen. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So, but that's just didn't know that. fascinating. I found out. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, so that's my something I learned. Ooh, oh, you know, he's already attacking us. <laughs> no, you that's get another. Fair. That's not fair. You get. We're getting asked that later. <laughs> yeah. Because I couldn't think of one, so that I just as I said that I was. You'll like, think of another one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Don't worry about that. You know, pressure's not on yet. But going back to yes. um, pre med, I'm sure. really curious. We've had a few people on talk about stem cell research. Oh yeah. And um, let's see. Like the last time mm-hmm. we t- truly talked about it was May of last year, with this guy named Dean Kilby who started the first ever stem cell clinic in Australia. Maddie, and, Maddie, related to Maddie in any way? Uh, Maddie no. Kilby? Oh, no. no, no, no. This guy. He's a bald else. Asian man. Oh. Bald Asian man yeah. that's crushing oh, it. He yeah. has a, a clinic in Pakistan and a clinic that got closed down because they changed their laws in Australia. In Australia. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. But his. I mean, yeah, yeah but going with stem cell, um, from your perspective <laughs> in the United States, how can we get this going? Yeah, so it's it's changing a lot. So what it yes. used to be, it used to be super controversial because, yeah. you know, you had to like use essentially an embryo right this had to be like embryonic stem cells Mm -hmm. but what we've realized now is like you have so like differentiability is like when you have a cell that can turn into any type of cell it can turn into like a skin cell a neuron an eyeball cell whatever really yeah so like that's so that's what like all of your cells are initially right because you're still forming your like spinal cord and you're still forming everything and all those cells because every single cell in your body has all the dna that you Every single combination of DNA that you have, it just yeah. depends on what gets expressed. It's so, a little, like, little Darwinism in there. <laughs> no, it's it's the wild card in Uno. There's always stem cells that are wild cards. Yeah. So, so stem what we're, cells are wild cards. Yeah, exactly. So mm. we used to think that you had to use embryos to get stem cells, and stem cells are obviously really useful because they can turn into anything. So, like, I don't know, the crazy example. Say you like lost your eyeball and you wanted to like rebuild it, but like you just put a bunch of stem cells in there to rebuild your eye. That's like a crazy science fiction version of like what could potentially happen. Um, but it could happen. Maybe. <laughs> okay. What's a realistic example right now? Like knee, you can replace, get yeah, your totally. Knee, like you if can... you had like some broken down, like if you had like a bunch of worn down cartilage or something in your mm-hmm. knee, and it was just like so, you have like I don't know, all your cartilage, but it's just like little like divots in it. Yep. If you could like fill that back out and smooth that back out and let someone like regain their mobility again, yeah, that's awesome. You get to play with your kids or something. Yeah. But anyway, so it's it used to be super like sketchy because of that and much more controversial than it is now. It still has like future implications in terms of like playing God and all that. Um. But now we we found like pluripotent uh, stem cells. So like I think I might be messing this up, but I think in our bone marrow we have pluri. So pluripotent is kind of the same thing. It's they're undifferentiated cells that can turn into anything. So essentially, what you guys are thinking of as stem cells, so they can turn into anything. Um, so we found those in in bone marrow, I believe. I hope I'm not messing this up. But so it's not as controversial as it used to be. And I think I think there is 
room for room for like a ton of future research in that because of the how much more accessible these things are you know like you can't just like it's obviously super controversial and you get into like abortion rights and all this stuff when you're talking about embryonic stem cells but if you can just take someone's bone marrow and then repurpose those cells to like fix your knee that'd be awesome so what about the controversy like you said playing god now you're able to i mean with crispr's too Mm -hmm. like you can now alter genes so that you don't have certain defects with yourself and you can now kind of manipulate and control the outcome of uh, a human being a human being a lifespan of a human a lifespan is part of it, but even more so, it come that lifespan's directly tied to like the core genetics of a person. Sure. So you can take out that autism. You can take mm. out all those different, you know, make someone HIV harmful. Yeah. yeah, harmful diseases and things like that. You can take that out yeah. and make that external. Mm-hmm. What do you like? Because that's going to be a serious, almost not philosophical, but moral yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I tend to, I tend to lean away from it and just say like it's better to just let God, let God do it. Um, sure. but at the, on the other end, there, there actually was, um, pretty recently, like in the last month, um, this guy in China, clo- not cloned, but like he used CRISPR to make some babies HIV resistant. So like they could never wow. get HIV like that, that they, those kids exist and they're like healthy so far and they're living. Um, but I don't know in terms of, yeah, it could be, it could be controversial in the future, but I also think it's going to take a lot longer than we think yeah. to figure it out because dude, our genetics are so in, incredibly interwoven. Like we used to think that it was like probably just like one uh gene that coded for your eye color one gene that coded for height one gene or maybe like a couple right but it's so much more complex than that like there's like hundreds that like act on each other so like if any one in that series of actions gets manipulated or changed or like there's some sort of mutation that doesn't result in it you know it it can change it so we yeah it's just wait let's uh unpack CRISPR real quick I don't oh know if dude people know i don't what think that i can, is. i have a pretty surface level just yeah um, real dumb guy average guy like what yeah. is CRISPR? so oh, okay let me think uh man oh man oh man there was a it has to do with bacteria um you don't have to go that deep yeah no i'm just trying to think so basically you can so okay so you have a bunch of dna every single one of your cells has all the dna <clears throat> in your body and just depending on what some chromosomes yeah yeah, yeah. 26 23 23 mm-hmm. and depending on what you differentiate or what you express excuse me that's what becomes you know your skin cell your whatever cell um when it, i think crispr can manipulate what gets expressed and what doesn't so you have like acetylation and methylation so acetyl so if you have like so you have exons and introns. Exons are the chunks of DNA that get expressed that turn into your eye color or whatever. Introns, you have tons of introns. Like every cell, like 99% of it does not get expressed. It's an intron. Um, What's it doing? It's just chilling, dude. It's like housekeeping genes. Like some of it, it some of it gets coded for like little stuff in the cell to like t- take care of like your mitochondria and blah, 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 clean up stuff, liposome. Like so they're all still this. active, but some, they're not Some expressed. of them are. Some of them are, yeah. Okay. But most of them are just like literally just sitting there and laying dormant. And so... I think what CRISPR does is it in some way manipulates the cell so that you can turn off the express so you can methylate. So methyl is just like literally a carbon with three hydrogens. Mm-hmm. And if you slap that on a chunk of DNA on that, like a, like a literally a, a gene, it, it can't get expressed because your DNA, your, your stuff that's coming through to like express it, it hits it. It's like, ah, can't do it. It's basically. So you wow. can do that to the genes you don't want to have expressed. You can methylate them or you can acetylate the genes that you want to express. You can do that. I believe that's what CRISPR is trying to do. I believe, yeah. Yeah. That's my baseline. That's good, though. I understood it, and I I took one. No, I didn't take a single science class at St. Thomas. Okay. You didn't take a single one? I thought you had No, I did. I took geology. That's not... That's (laughs) No, no, it's science. It's science, kind of. I don't want to offend anyone. No. Uh, (laughs) Rebecca Klopp. I think that was her name. Yeah, yeah. she was awesome. Um, I have a question. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You go? No, you go. I go. Okay, um, so Nasser kind of touched on this um, in the ER as a scribe, for sure. And being in that room and how you're trained when you go from patient to patient, the atmosphere, the patient itself, and the case that you're on and writing and documenting are different, and they're all right next to you. Like you could experience the trend, like the closure and beginning of life from one room to the next. Yeah. Yeah. How's that experience been? Like, have you has that been very eye opening for you? <laughs> Absolutely, dude. It's, it's it's fascinating because, especially as I'm going through, and now that I'm I've been accepted to med school, now when I I get a little bit more excited to go to work because I'm being much more intentional about 
observing the providers that I work with, the doctors and the PAs, and looking at the way <clears throat> they approach each patient and saying, like, I'm going to do that, or that was terrible, I'm not going to do that, you know, and try to, like, forming my own version of what sort of doctor I want to be, you know, so I guess that's a, a separate point. But, yeah, it is fascinating because you could be in one room and someone could be, like, like having kidney, like kidney stones and, like, writhing in pain, and you're like, oh, man, I just feel really bad for that person. Like, let's get some pain meds, get a CT scan, figure out what's going on. And then the next pain over the, the next room over, it's just like a cute little kid with a fever. And the mom's like, yeah, I think he's just like not acting well. And then you're like, oh, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still like, it's just like, it's an interesting dynamic because you have to approach each patient with, with compassion and like expertise, right? It's, it's the, mer- the merging of these two, the merging of these two things. So yeah, it is fascinating. Like you said, to see, um, I guess the way life can like come and go. Uh, and yeah. it's like, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's definitely impactful. Like the first time. I like witnessed someone pass away. It was like very, it's like, I don't know if traumatizing the right word, but you're like, Whoa, I'm just at my job. I'm just getting paid to be here. Like, like you're at McDonald's or whatever. You're just at your job. Mm -hmm. And I just witnessed someone pass away. And it's like, there's so much, I don't know if this is the right word. I don't know what austerity is, but it might be austerity where you're like, Whoa, you're like in awe. What's austerity? Look it up. Look it up. Thanks. Where you're like, you're like in awe of the fact that you get, you got to witness that. Like that was an absolute, like, sad and maybe not the right way to describe it but like a blessing to have witnessed that still like it's such a privilege that's the word i'm looking for such a privilege to be in that room and see that like absolute raw like intimacy of like one caring for a patient but then in this specific example when someone like passes away it's like wow that's it's just it's wild man Mm -hmm. makes you respect life damn so and one of the other things that nasser was telling me was just like a really cool experience to have in the ER was like the the, the other employees that go into the day to day and to make things happen right yeah so he was talking about the nurses and just how much of a warrior and how really they are the catalyst to that whole dude. environment yeah. oh yeah dude the nurses in the ER are badass they seriously are dude like I feel like to be in that situation to like want to choose that specialty you have to be just like authoritative yes. basically because like you have to like run stuff like the doctors yes you're like in a, in a way calling the shots but it's so much more team-based than it's ever been it's not like the doctor's the captain of the ship and everyone else is just their little minions mm-hmm. it's like no this is like shared care of the patient like you, we're all relying on each other to provide the best ex- experience possible i guess but like to care for the patient that's it the best experience because yeah. the, the and the nurses are the first pre first person to interact yeah. with that patient yeah. mm-hmm. so they have to totally embrace whatever emotion comes in if that person's ready to give information and be a friendly kind patient or the patient's coming in there like figure me out right now i'm (laughs) angry i don't want this happening and i have no patience (laughs) and the nurse has to they're the first point of contact and they they can set the tone and the majority of the time they are trying and they're working on eight hour nine hour shifts that are Mm -hmm. just draining and they're doing their the truly best they can and these patients are just they control yeah, it's just, it's yeah. awesome. And hearing Nasser's perspective and you're saying mm-hmm. these very mm-hmm. similar things, it's just it's a pretty cool how team based every yeah. point of contact is. Exactly, it's mm-hmm. wild. It's like it's sort of I th- I think about it like football a little bit, where it's like eleven different people. If everyone just does their job, like do your job to the best of your ability, don't overreach, don't obviously don't fail, but like just do your job. We can be a fluid team and we can be successful. You know, mm-hmm. that's how I feel about. It. That's why I like emergency medicine. That's a specialty I've been thinking about doing. Just because it's like it's it's just fun. It's fast paced. You get to you get to do procedures. So you get to like sew people up. Two people came in within thirty minutes of each other with the exact same fracture. It was a trimalleolar fracture. So their foot instead of being like this was like that straight out. Yeah, and they were and they were at bars that were across the street from each other. No way. Yes. So like the exact same mechanism, but yeah, one guy just like got pushed and started to fall backwards and like. I don't know. Just, just got some weak bones. Basically, bird bones. I don't doesn't, know. Doesn't drink. Doesn't <laughs> drink milk. Bones. Just, he's a feeble guy. Yeah. Doesn't drink fair life. Yeah, doesn't drink fair life. And Get then, some and then the other lady was like wearing high heels in a slippery bathroom or something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yo, being being in that one would be nuts because you yeah. know it's just a bunch of women in that bathroom and it just they witness that. <laughs> Dude, it's so it's so wild. Bathroom line was lit. Yes, yeah. your malleolus is just jutting out. Like you just see it; it's crazy. And then that's so, that thick bone. Yeah, yeah, ankle bone. Two C's. Oh my god. And then, uh, yeah. So the, like a, a procedure we'd get to do there is like put them on propofol, which like is a temporary sedative. Basically, it, like you don't you can kind of feel the pain, but you don't remember anything. Like you're basically out, and then you literally just whew, snap. It. Yeah. Well, sometimes you hear a pop. Sometimes not. You put it back in place. Wild. You don't, you don't really physically put, though, that? Putting isn't the right word, though. You don't like it to, you like, you don't reduce. get to, like, place. It's, no, you, it's, is it violent? 
Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you're like yanking on it because yeah, you're there bo- you go. Because you're bo- <laughs> that's yeah. what you wanted to hear. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this you're... is a podcast. We have to really. Yeah, 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 good Words are good. Because your body's just like it, it's fighting you, and it's already swollen, and it's just you know, and so. What about like the tendons? Are you like worried about like snapping an ankle no. tendon as you're no. yanking this thing back so into place? That no. that procedure was were those the first times you were in the situation to help that with that or um no this was this was just this past new year's eve so this had happened or i'd been working for like over a year and that's a common uh, is that a common injury out there no no but no. it's fun though because it's yeah. dramatic it's you yeah. walk in you're like oh shit. yeah look I at that to, look I at that to foot. Yank on this ankle <laughs> yeah i mean i don't get to do crap i just get to stand there and watch it yeah, and right this will. dude just yanked his ankle yeah basically and then he did it again yeah this girl's foot was messed up yeah now it's fixed do you see crazy stuff like this one guy was uh welding without proper eyewear and you got UV keratitis, which is where you get like little um, granulars. You literally get like sunburn on your eyeball. Yep. And it's like you you like look at it under you put little drops in that like reflect UV light, and then you put a little UV ray on them, and then you see it. It's like all these little scratches on this guy's. So he's in so much front of his eye. Yeah, and he's just like like I was talking to the doctor about it, and he's saying like it's one of the most painful things you could have. It's like this and like kidney stones. Like, uh, like it's not gonna kill you. He'll be fine. You just need antibiotics and like, yeah, chill out for a while. Yeah, like put a some few glass, days. Put some glasses on next yeah. time you do some <laughs> welding. Buddy. Yeah, he said he was wearing it, but it was like he was wearing a thing, but it was like super old, and he, he's like, it's kind of crappy, dude. Dude, protect your eyes. Come on uh, now. Yeah, like I have bad vision. You need to like protect that. Same. Shit. Yeah. And we dude. we've run in the same situations. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, I wanted to. I was listening to a podcast where you said you had like minus four or something. Mm-hmm. I wanted to one up you. I'm minus five point seven five. Oh. Blind is a bat. Blind is a bat. God. Yeah, you wake up in the morning and you're like, where are my glasses? Yeah. Yes. Dude, it's it's terrible. God, that's too funny. Yo, two blind boys. I see an HD, not to brag. I got like 17, 18. Yeah, but I can too now with my contacts. Yeah, exactly. I actually just went to the eye doctor and they said my eyes got worse. Oh, damn. So that's a, I, want, I want to get to the point where it's like five years in a row, same prescription, yeah. so I can get LASIK. What, dude, if they keep getting worse, though, it gets to a point where you can't fix them. Like, I work with a doc who is, like, minus seven, and he said, they're too bad. Like, it was, I think because you have to, like, s- stretch the lens or compress it, depending on if you're near farsighted. Yep. And he's like, we would have to stretch your lens so far that it would, like, snap. Like, we couldn't fix you. couldn't eyes. fix wow. it. Wow. Yeah. So, so fingers Ooh. crossed, hopefully they yeah. stop right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to eat more carrots for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Exactly. I'll be golden. you got to implement carrots. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just building off kind of the ev- off of carrots, no, off, off of it, carrots, but also off of ER. Yep. Um, my sister, she was in the ER one time in college, and she cool. was telling me, well, not um, cool. not cool. I mean, she wasn't. It wasn't like she wasn't in like crazy pain or nothing, but she just was there, and saw this girl. Um, she saw this girl in there like screaming in pain, and like she was in line, she was, um, you know, totally fine, whatever. Or not totally fine, like in obvious pain, just mm. screaming, screaming. She looked kind of ratty, like she was like they may have been a homeless person, but she wasn't sure, and mm. she just like kept screaming, like my arm hurts, I need help, like I need this this stuff. And they like wrote her a prescription, huh. and she walked out. They of didn't there. even evaluate her. They evalu- like she went in. They brought her. Okay. Like my sister said, she walked in. Five minutes later, she came out with like some sort of prescription, and like hmm. went outside with her friends and left. I was like, that's odd, man. What that doesn't seem like frick. adequate practice. <laughs> no, I but like I guess I was gonna. I, I know you're probably not even in these situations at all, but like, is that kind of the root cause of like the whole um, pharmaceutical the, drug, the, like the opioid, pro- crisis? The opioid crisis? Is that a thing? I mean, it's a, it's a part of it. It's okay. yeah, for sure, because it's like I don't know, pain. That's a, that's a one thing I like about the ER. It's like um, dental pain. Or what's the other one? Back, I think it's dental pain and back pain. The two pains that you can't like prove unless you have like an abscess, like a big thing. Yeah. You know, we like try to not give out prescription pain meds. Like you can get two Percocet, two like small Percocet while you're in the ER, but we won't send you home with anything. Yeah. And that's something that I think it's like a Minnesota statute, either that or it's through like EPA, this like emergency providers association that I work for, where they have like a policy that says, hey, we're going to do our part to, to fix this because – it is it is really problematic and that kind of comes back to the capitalism like i was reading about the start of all this op- opioid crisis cuz it's like a big deal in the in the east coast especially i think that's where it started mm-hmm. and it was like this these two brothers and i might mess this up but i believe one of them was like a um a marketing guy like that was his big deal and the other guy was a pharmacist and they were like we're going to put our heads together and we are just going to we're going to sell uh pain pain pills we're going to like get them on every single we're going to like make doctors 
do this basically. So what they used to be able to do is like, um, give like basically give gifts to doctors and like send them on trips and stuff with, with a wink saying, Hey, provide our, you know, give give our meds so that we can make some money. And that's kind of stopped in the last like 10, 15 years, but it used to, and that's like what ramped a lot of stuff up is because like any, um, pharmaceutical company with money could push their drug. And the ones with opioids, obviously, they sold because patients wanted them. And doctors were like, oh, we don't really know the huge risks of it yet. So, yeah. Damn. Like, when you broke your thumb, did you get? Did they, like, give you oh. anything? Antiquated. <laughs> it didn't hurt that much, though. So. Right. You know, they were like, Remember oh, this kid's a sprain. You were messing around with it for <laughs> Dude, a good... I, yeah, because I, th- I literally thought it was sprained. So I was like, I should keep... I should try Moving keep, it. Yeah, exactly. And then I... Show I got an extra of it, and, I, and then my dad, my dad was just like, "Dude, you shouldn't have been moving that thing." Yeah, was, and I kept it in my hot mitten for the next like three hours. Cause we skied for like two or three hours after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then by the end it was just like freaking. Then I jammed it into Matt Christensen's back, <laughs> trying to like, whatever we were playing charades or whatever. That's right, and you just like jumped in pain. <laughs> yes, yeah. that, that was painful. Um, it was in the trees off of Rose Bowl. The ones where that tree, that really nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you probably know what I'm talking. You probably know what I'm talking about now. Exactly. Yeah. These two know. I couldn't. Like, I couldn't describe it, but you can. Yeah. Trees off a of Rose Bowl. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. For sure. It's yeah. like a blue run, and there's trees like right off the top of the lift, and they're amazing because everyone always skis past them, and so we just had bottomless chowder in there. Yeah. yeah. All because exactly. you know no one was going in there, and yeah. we went in like and then three I did, or four times, and then I just went in reckless. <laughs> No, you it was like the third time it. we were feeling confident. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. We were like, oh, let's just keep doing this. Yeah. We were coming yeah. out of the trees, yeah. and that's when you just were flying. <laughs> you were going something fierce in those trees, dude. Oh, that's where like I feel like a lot of the injuries happen in skiing is in the trees. Like, yeah, totally. uh, like this right here, me speaking into your ear. Oh, this is an ad. This is an ad for Skyline Specs. Yeah, this is an ad in your ear talking about wooden engraved sunglasses of your home city, your roots, UV ray polarized wooden engraved sunglasses. You couldn't have said it any better. It's an ad. And you just, all we want you to do with this ad, go to www.skylinespecs.com, purchase yourself one, put it on the company card, and just do it. Or go ahead and follow their Instagram like we want you to do in this ad at skyline underscore specs. Okay. But, That's uh, nuts. But trapping the puck and transitioning to some back pocket questions. Mm. Ooh. Our favorite question, the question we ask all our guests, what is your average quality? And I believe you've heard this many times, but we'll frame it for you anyways. It's something you do well at times, other times not so well. At the end of the day, it's your average quality. So, Josiah, huh. what is your average quality? I, I think it's car hygiene. I think I uh, oh. some days I'm pretty good about keeping my car, some like months, I should say, I'm pretty good at keeping my car clean, mm-hmm. but like some months I'm just not in the winter, I get bad about it. Cause I don't want to like take the time to like open up all my doors and vacuum everything out. You know, yep. it takes a while. Yeah. So like the last couple of months I've been very bad about it. I noticed. I, I remember. Yeah. And I'm also self-conscious about it. So like tread lightly. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I remember you were picking up Jack Burke and uh, I was like, I saw your car. I was like, that's kind of shocking. <laughs> Honestly, dude, this it dude's was, a hoarder. I was like, "What? I, you're like, you're just a well-kept guy. Your car is like, what's going on <laughs> in there?" So, so now you get it. Yeah, yeah. So it looked like a homeless man like stole an Audi and then <laughs> basically had all of the things he owned in this back of his car. Have you guys seen? The, have you seen the other guys? Yes. Yeah, bunch of homeless guys had an orgy. There. Yeah, <laughs> call that a dirty soup Mike. Kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a soup kitchen. <laughs> dirty oh, Mike and hilarious. the boys, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh yeah. my that's god, that's too good. Okay, and then going right off that, that's your average quality. Yeah, for sure. But this is something you keep in your back pocket that is something you utilize when mm-hmm. um, anxiety is rising uh, and you got a lot of pressure on you and Josiah needs to overcome this. So it could be a habit and emotion. For sure. Something that you use to help you overcome these types of situations. Mm-hmm. So what's in your back pocket? I think what's in my back pocket is having had all these experiences in Argentina where I just became comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like when I showed up there, I did not speak that much Spanish. Like I knew the rules, some of the grammar and stuff like that, but I just didn't, I couldn't put a sentence together in, in, in any form of confident way. And my host mom, who I was the only person that I was living with, I mean, just me and her in the whole house, didn't speak any English. And she didn't also, she also like didn't really eat dinner. She would just like cook it for me and then like sit there as I ate it. So, so like any sort of conversation I wanted to have with her had to be in Spanish and like in between bites because no one else, there was no one else there. Yeah. So it started off like just super uncomfortable. Like I was just like awkward all the time. And it came to a point where I was just like, okay, I could either like avoid her and try to like sit in my room and just FaceTime Lauren and speak English all day. Or I could go out 
and like pursue these conversations in Spanish and like get better, like talk to every single, like there's not a single taxi driver in Argentina or that I was like, that I met in Argentina that I didn't like have a conversation with. Cause I was forcing myself, you know, to like be okay. Like sit in that space where you're like, Oh God, I don't know if this person understands me. I barely understand them, but I'm just going to like trudge through it and hope that they'll like, give, you know, help me out here. Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess learning to be okay with like sitting in that uncomfortable space and saying like, Hey, it's going to be all right. Like you just got to be okay with being uncomfortable and it'll all get better in the end. And something that we've been doing at ease for the past 45 minutes is understanding what each other are saying and building off of that. Yeah. You're going on the very root basic part yeah. of just trying to actually know what this person is trying to get across. Yeah, dude. It's it blows it, my mind, it's, right? It's wild. And it's like, it's also one of those cool things that it's like a con like people say you're like, um, whatever, like a life, lifelong learner. That's like what Spanish is. Like I've been Spanish interpreting for the last like six months, five months. And I've like spoke Spanish pretty fluently since Argentina, but I'm constantly learning new words. There are constantly things that come up where I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you're saying. You know, like sometimes I'm confident and sometimes I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. (laughs) Did you come here with speaking Spanish or was that a different language? Yeah. Yeah. That's too good. It's amazing that you can learn a language when you're just starting to learn to speak, like when you're really, really young. But then when you're older and go to college and have to take Spanish or something, mm-hmm. you have to like, you can't just learn it yeah, dude, at the same uh, pace as what you were when you were four. It's brain plasticity. How your, crazy Your brain is, that? is literally just like more moldable. Like you just have a bunch of unmade neuronal pathways. So then like they can just be made in any way that you want them to be. It's crazy. Like little kids are just like little wizards. Like there was like this literally like little kid that I was treating yesterday in the er and i was speaking this was hispanic family and i was talking spanish with her she's like four probably better at spanish than me like literally like you know right. could bounce back if i'm like that's so impressive mm-hmm. because that's well, all wizards they know is a great word yeah well yeah they are little kids are wizards and they, they that's, are. The, that's the biggest takeaway from this podcast yeah, exactly. listening. <laughs> that's yeah that's nuts though and i think another cool thing about spanish and language in general is you have to put yourself in those situations mm. if you're going to get better. Yeah. You can't just keep taking semester after semester and learning in, t- uh, in, in like head in the books yeah. to learn Spanish. No, yeah. you have to physically go to like an Argentina or a Mexico or mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. and interact and yeah. put yourself out there, listen and really try and yeah. throw yourself at it. So exactly. Dude. And it's been so awesome in terms of applying the things I've learned in Argentina to medicine, because like when you like, I'm so much more compassionate to like, to like, immigrants or just people who speak Spanish in general because I understand what they went through when they were in Argentina and they were like it's so like there's this internal struggle where you're like I just want to be understood like everyone thinks that everyone feels that all the time but sometimes you you don't like actively think it Mm -hmm. but when you're in a situation where you're like these people just don't understand me and it kills me you know like that's when it starts to get pent up and you're like dang I just want to be able to express myself like fully right now and so like I experienced that and so now when I'm here and I see Hispanic patients who are like have to like get an interpreter in the room and they have to like really slowly repeatedly explain themselves to like really get across what they're doing or what you know why they're there it's I can relate to that and I think I honestly think that's going to make me a better doctor that's why I'm that's why I'm doing the Spanish interpreting now in hospitals because I want to get like specific experience with that so it's that's awesome it's cool yeah it's cool that you kind of got that intention going on too. Mm-hmm. You got the intention of growing in pre-med by grasping what other doctors are doing and their tactical skills um, on a on an interpersonal side. And then yeah. also you got the intention of the side of helping others in, in very needing situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is awesome. I love tapping into that and yeah. hearing your growth and what I mean, we were just talking this about IO, whose podcast came out last week of the future right when we have the ability to that this podcast will be hitting it four years from now and we'll have you back on probably many times prior to that but yes. still four years from now yeah. and hearing just the growth the continual growth and that that just pathway of you're trying to open up new doors and find that that next step we're all in the same shoes all four of us are in the same shoes just fi- trying to figure it out yeah. And just trying to take that next step, one baby step at a time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's an incredible exactly. thing. And we're yeah. doing it as a unit. We get to share each other's stories yeah. and really appreciate it all. You get to document the journey. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what? I love what you said about like being a lifelong learner. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it's required. You need it. And it's fulfilling, too. Totally. I love reading books and writing stuff down now more than ever. And I hated, <laughs> hated English class. Right. And I hated history class. And all those like classes that weren't associated with engineering but now like that's all i want to do 
it's just very humbling as well. Like, it is to be very constantly humbling. learning because you're like, man, there's so much. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know squat. Bro, I got like a so 19 on my ACT in the reading <laughs> section. Like really? four reading sections, 30 minutes. You had to answer like 10 questions yeah. each. Like for most, that, or not for most, but for some, it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. For me, I couldn't, I had to skip one of the reading sections and just guess on it because I didn't have enough time to physically read it all through. Mm-hmm. And that, and like, I just don't, I was never good at comprehending stuff, but now it's like, it's a challenge. You got to keep putting yourself out there. Yeah, exactly. Like I just read uh, um, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse. Oh, cool. Highly recommend yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a big book? No, it's 200 pages, okay. 12 chapters, and he just details like the, like the history behind astrophysics, why it's important, and then what it is physically. Okay. It's a de- it's kind of de- like detailed, but yeah. challenges you in terms yeah. of comprehension and all that. Dude, that's Highly that's, recommend yeah, it. Yeah, that's fascinating. No, I would like to read that. Something I learned that's really interesting about like the history of science is I took this like um, quantum chemistry course and the professor was talking to him. He did a lot of like history. The first like five minutes of class would be like the history of what we're about to learn. And then we dive in. Yeah. And he was talking about how like back in the early 1900s um, in like that, you know, like the Einstein era when like stuff about quantum physics was like just being like elucidated. People were just figuring out what's yeah. going on. There was like people were just heated like at these like conferences. They'd be like national conferences in like Austria, Germany, U.S., whatever. And people would just like get in like not fist fights, but like just yelling fights at each other. Like different scientists who are like so supposedly like super calm, like very like intellectual people would be like yelling at each other, being like, "No, my theory is better than your theory." Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I never would have thought that like people would be freaking out like that. Well, <laughs> what's cool about Neil deGrasse and what he does is he unpacks why the theory of relativity and what Einstein has done or did mm-hmm. has changed the world forever and how we look at it because er- what scientists try to do is try and prove each other wrong. Like yeah. you said, it's a, yeah. it is a lot of it is a competition, but it's all focused on trying to find the truth. Mm-hmm. And all there have been scientists forever trying to prove the theory of relativity wrong because we fully don't understand it still. Yeah. And the more they go at it, the more they're like, no shit, this guy was right. Like, this guy got it. And it's so the fact that it's been 100 years or however long since mm-hmm. I, that theory has been instituted. Oh, it's, wild. It's, incre- it's It's incredible. That's why I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, there's a lot we still don't know. It's a, like half that, that class I took, quantum chemistry, like he gave a disclaimer all, like most of the days being like, this is what we know right now. And this could change, which is kind of frustrating, you know, because you mm-hmm. want to like, give me the facts. He's like, no, this is like, there's a 50% probability that the electron is in this side, 50% is on this side. But as soon as you look, you don't know. It's like, so you can either know, you can either know the position or the velocity. So if you do the calculation that gives you the position of the electron, you don't know how fast it's going. If you do the calculation that gives you the velocity of the electron, you don't know where it is. So yeah, we we don't know how to put the two together yet. Yet. Yeah. Interesting. One day One you'll day. tell us though, because <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to keep up on that. But you'll. I'm going to keep my doing realm. my thing. Dude, that was a class I just grinded through. You know yeah. the ones where you're like, oh man, like maybe it, physics at times was like that for me. One twelve and one twelve for sure. Yeah, electricity you, and magnetism. Yeah, because you like, can't physically see what you're actually yeah. studying. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's, it's tough conceptually. You just have to like memorize the math almost. Yeah, which I don't like doing. I like to know what I'm. Yeah, yeah. I think the hardest one for me was chemistry, because you had to really. It's a language. language. You really had to understand like how all these molecules and things were built up in order to understand how they interact Mm -hmm. and like understanding like, oh, the alkali metals and the things that are one electron away are the most highly high energized because they want to be full. I know. They want that last electron. You have to personify it. Yeah. That's how I feel too. You have to personify chemistry and it's very... Oxygen loves electrons. It's very electronegative. Right. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. It's crazy. But then applying like that to materials engineering and then basically looking at like a table and being like okay this is how it's structurally stable and why because mm-hmm. you know the chemistry of that substance and how oh, it interacts crazy. with everything yeah like uh it's, it's wild that was one of my favorite classes though because i really what was know, it called uh materials engineering okay. yeah, yeah and i did a lot of like one of my favorite ones that we did and how it kind of applies to like giving was um there are these things called phase change polymers so mm-hmm. polymer is a plastic Mm-hmm. And they're long, stringy chains of carbon, essentially. Mm-hmm. And well, maybe not carbon. I don't know, but um, probably some polymer. They, yeah. What they can do: these phase change Cotton. polymers can control temperature at any, at, depending on what you put into it, um, the, what kind of molecules you put in mm-hmm. to this polymer. It can control the temperature. So, um, 
it can hold the temperature for sure. a long time. So okay. what they did, it's like a buffer. It's like a, a buffer physical buffer for, and it can draw it out for like six hours at a time. Wow. And what they did is for premature babies that were born in Africa, they would have these sheets of uh, face change polymers that would hold the temperature at like 90 degrees because it needed to be, the baby needed to be that hot in order to like grow at the same rate it would if it was still in the mother's body. Mm. And so they would wrap these babies in these face change polymers and hold it for six hours. And then all they had to do was put it, uh, put that same bag into like a um, boiling water and then it would cool down to like 90 degrees again hold it for six hours and that's how it worked wow dude that's wild yeah that's really wild one of my favorite classes that's ever. a really cool dr nelson cheeseman she's amazing Shout amazing out. <laughs> care about her but anyways awesome. i i digress to progress no 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 that was interesting to a challenge so you are an avid listener of the back pocket <laughs> uh and you you know all about what we're about so who would you challenge us to get on the show oh yes yeah i have i have i thought of three one, Ooh, yeah, three. Gosh. All right, oh no, no, you don't. No, get them, give them all. Th- three, pick one. How about? We'll, right. we'll, we'll pick three, them pick them all. We'll pick one, them all. Tony Perella, love the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, terrific conversationalist. Really interesting family story. His, if you ever heard of Sammy's Pizza, yeah. out of Duluth. Um, his dad. Well, the the first one wasn't in Duluth, but now like the most popular one is, and that's where he's from. And like just a family of pizza makers, yeah. just a great people. He cleaned house here at the back pocket. That's right. Yeah, he just <laughs> stole all of our money. <laughs> And a, quick, and a quick game of Texas Hold'em. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a long game, rather. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> shout <laughs> out, Tony. Yeah, shout All out, right. Tony. So, Tony Perella would be an awesome one. Um, Bizrat Bayou, a buddy of mine from the Summit Singers. Just oh, yeah, we know Bizrat. Silky Rat. Velvet voice. Love the yeah, guy. Yeah, dude. He's, but he's also, like, just, he's awesome. Like, I feel like he's going to do, he's actually his birthday today, I'm pretty sure. I texted it either today or yesterday. Well, this is going to drop here in a month. If he's on the live oh. stream. <laughs> Never if mind. If he's on the live stream, I'll send it to Oh, you. cool, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think he'd be awesome just because he has had, like, you know, he's just like a very he's a guy with a huge diversity of experiences like he's the undergraduate student body president which is really cool right. and summit singers he's like just super involved and i i'm i'm curious i haven't had enough i don't know him well enough to have sat down with him and like had a long conversation about what he wants to do in life specifically but i'd be really curious to have him on here and have you guys pick his brain mm-hmm. because you guys are great at ask questions um the third one is charlie siddons do you guys know who that is he's in our grade He's just uh-huh. a he's a buddy of mine. He's like a videographer. Um, he actually works for like uh, what's that guy? Chris Lydell, this guy. Chris Lindell. Lindahl. Lindahl. <laughs> yeah. He works for him in terms of like doing videography. That's not what he wants to do long term. He's just like a character. Like I just think he's hilarious, and I feel like he'd just be like a really say that his name one more time. Charlie Siddons. S I D D O N S. Perfect. Sam, uh, intern Sam, write that down. Intern no, Curdy, dude. I know, but intern Sam will hear. <laughs> intern Sam will hear this and write that down. Okay, Perfect, cool. Dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think those would all be like some pretty unique guys to bring on. All tangible St. Thomas connection. Fantastic. For sure. Yeah. Continue to broaden our network. Yeah. Um, and then transition to our final question, Josiah. It's been a goddamn honor to mm-hmm. have you on. I'm so just stoked that we've been able to sit down here for an hour now and just hash out your story and just our connections and our growth and all that. It's just awesome. Absolutely. Um, to, but this brings us to our final question, a simple question. What did you learn today? You've already told us many things you've learned, <laughs> but we get to ask it in a formal way. Today. Today. Sure, the most fascinating thing I learned today was absolutely what you're talking about with these like neonates being able to like wrap them up and take care of them. So you're taking something that's absolute, like this is just like bench work theory that so theory that turns into bench work that turns into a physical product that you are not only using to like sell and maybe make money, I don't know, whatever your whatever your purpose is, but then at the end you end up benefiting someone with what you're doing. So whoever was in charge of that project, they weren't just putting money in their own wallets. They were help, they were providing value to the world and to the most literally the most vulnerable members of any society ever, mm-hmm. newborn babies. So that that was fascinating. Thank you for that. Hell that yeah, Jackie. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you picked <laughs> up on it. <laughs> Look at it. Like you made him so happy. You made oh, his day. Dude. <laughs> I didn't know if I explained that well enough because a lot of you times you I'll explain stuff and like. Well, know, he usually Andrew explains doesn't. it to me and intern Sam and we're oh, like yeah. just not in that field. Like yeah, yeah. I cannot process what he's saying when he goes through it verbally. Like, I yeah. you need to write that down. We need to go over it three times yeah. and then well, give me some pictures. I don't understand the underlying <laughs> mechanism. I'm curious about how it maintains the heat. Um, without yeah. any sort of like, there's no input of charge, electricity, or like anything. I guess you heat it up beforehand, and it just retains the heat. Yeah. It must so just think be of like... it as heat loss, and it's good at holding the heat loss yeah. when it gets to a certain temperature. Okay. And okay. there's, um, so heat is transferred through photons. Sure. Um, and there are certain chemical makeups that can prevent these photons from happening or from, from being released. From re- being released okay. and different polymers have like glass 
uh, phase temperatures where they turn really hard plastic and really loose like uh-huh, spaghetti uh-huh. stuff. And somehow that ties together mm. with the blocking of like its glass phase change and it preventing photons from transferring through have a correlation. That's interesting. And there's phase changes so that the phase changes when it's right on the cusp of yeah. turning from, you know, yeah. a loosey goosey polymer to a hard liquid plastic. to solid, solid liquid to solid yeah, yeah. so those phase changes mm. is where it gets caught right in the middle and some sort of phenomenon yeah, yeah, yeah. helps it so that it doesn't it, it reminds me of like a really localized um like a really acute like greenhouse gas effect you know like the earth sun comes in but not all of the sun that reflects off gets to go out right that's yeah. why we have like global warming climate change all that going on it like reminds me of that so like you get the heat in but then it can capture it yes it's fascinating very similar cool man oh that was fun. Yeah. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> that was a freaking dude, blast. Thanks for having me on. Seriously, this has been awesome. Well, I've been hanging on the west coast of my heart. Where I meant to from the start It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes Always acting like you ain't got the time I can't imagine trying to carry what you hold inside But ooh, you got a reason to sing And ooh, you're finding this sunny Cause you can't hold on to what's inside your